Moncrief on News Talk. Jonathan DeBurka Butler joins us once again to bring us some stories from other parts of the planet. Jonathan, good afternoon to you. Sean, how are you doing? Uh, right, first uh, story involves China and the US, and it's this to do with an ex Zoom employee. Uh, Zoom deserve all the, all the punishment they deserve, probably many people would fear. <laughs> so, the, it's, as you know, it's a Californian based company. Uh, but this particular individual was working in their. Chinese offices and that's an important part of the story because to answer the, the inevitable story that you'll ask at the end how long is he going to be in prison for he's probably not going to be in prison for any time because he's in China and right. he's been prosecuted in the USA right so it's the US Department of Justice who brought these charges against this guy whose name is Jin Zhang Jin okay he's also known as Julian Jin I suppose they you know they often do that Asians mm. take another western name and yeah. they bring it over so they can also be known as this but uh, I suppose what they were annoyed with him about was that he seems to have been involved in the interruption of four meetings that took place on Zoom that involved people who were either sympathetic to what happened in Tiananmen Square in 1989 or who were actually involved in it, right? So these were people who were uh, trying to commemorate the uh, events in Tiananmen Square in 1989 and he basically got into the middle of these meetings and somehow interrupted them. Now, I don't know what he did exactly, whether it was like one of these things where he jumped into the middle of it and said, I'm shutting you down, or whether he did it more discreetly. I'd say it was yeah. the latter, to be honest with you. But the US Department of Justice basically said that they're charging with conspiracy to commit interstate harassment and, what I think is the most important part, an unlawful conspiracy to transfer a means of identification. And the reason I think that's important is because A lot of these people who were at this meeting were in the United States of America, but that doesn't mean all of their family was. So this would, you know, what he did was pass on information to the Chinese Chinese. government who then went and would have got their family, for want of a better way of putting it. So that's quite serious. Um, uh, He's obviously been fired by Zoom and there are other people under investigation at the moment uh, who may or may not have been involved at this stage. Does that also mean that if you're having a Zoom meeting, that some employee in Zoom may well be listening to what you're talking about? I never thought of that, to be honest with you. Um, Um, Unless he was like looking for specific people, but then the Chinese authorities would have known them anyway. Uh, So would he just randomly come across or on that specific date he was looking at? God, I don't know. That's uh, that's an interesting question. I I didn't think of that one. Yeah, it's a bit more, yeah, might be even more sinister Sinister than than that is. And that's that's pretty sinister. Sinister, it must be said. So uh, uh, we don't know if the Chinese authorities have taken any action against the families of any of these people. No, uh, but as I said, this is the thing that people are concerned, uh, that the US State Department are are concerned about uh, when it comes to this guy. So it remains to be seen. I don't think we'll ever know, to be honest with you. And uh, obviously, I don't think the Chinese government are going to hand this guy over anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, Right. Michigan, we're going to uh, go to next. And, uh, you know, one of those bitter inter-family disputes that often end up in court, sadly. Uh, And this is about a 42-year-old man suing his parents over his porn collection. Yes, it's a a man by the name of David, and I have to be careful here, working, uh, (laughs) who was living with his parents following a divorce. Um, And he, he... surprise. <laughs> I, I thought there might have been uh, some reason for him getting divorced. All right. So he was living with them for 10 months in Michigan. Right. And in between moves, he eventually moved on to Indiana after the divorce settlement. Uh, he brought his porn collection with him and prob- presumably had it in his his bedroom or whatever it was. His parents were not happy about it. And they they said in the court case that they asked him not to bring the items with him in the first place. Um, he left them there while he was moving from Michigan 
Michigan to Indiana and said, I'll come back and get them. And the parents said, we want you to take this straight away. He didn't. He left them there for a while. And when he eventually came back to try and find the items, they were gone. Now, he reckons they were worth about $25,000, right? So Were these magazines? Well, or? there were a mixture of things. So apparently there was over 1,600 DVDs and tapes. Uh, there was magazines. And according to his own father, there was uh, two boxes of sex toys. Uh, so that was basically, there was apparently there was okay. an email chain going on yeah. between the son and the father. And uh, <laughs> that was that was actually brought in as evidence in the case. So anyway, he took the case and uh, he won. Uh, the court basically said that the even though his parents, you know, asked him not to do it, that they weren't entitled to destroy his stuff effectively. And, even though it was uh, their house. Even though it was their house. And even if he had been a landlord or anything like that, they're his possessions and uh, he's entitled to... Uh, to, to have ownership of them, I suppose. Uh, and are they, are they, how, do they have to pay the son now? Well, this is the thing. I'm, I, I'm not 100% sure, but what, the only thing I can take from this is that following the verdict, an attorney for the parents said that they were, that they were working to determine the damages. So they might come up with some sort of a settlement of, of some sort, meet, meet them halfway. And they've drafted in an expert from the Erotic Heritage Museum in Nevada. Oh, thank God, uh, the voice of sense. <laughs> to help with the process. So hopefully they'll come up with some sort of... Uh, some sort of reasonable terms. But uh, as it stands, yeah, they're going to have to pay him compensation. Yeah, I wonder how their Christmas is going to go. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, we're going to move now, though, uh, uh, to Argentina. And uh, there's a bit of a debate about Maradona's body. Yes, so it, it's been ruled by a court that uh, his body must be conserved. Obviously, he died, I think, wasn't it, on the 30th of November, 60 years of age, arguably the greatest footballer in the world. And there was a huge outpouring of grief. Um, but the... Family wanted his body to be cremated and there was an order put on that to stop it. Okay, And the reason that was is because there's a a paternity suit pending, right? A 25 year old Ah. woman by the name of Magali Gill uh, was contacted by her. She's she was adopted, but she was contacted by her birth mother about two years ago and was told, listen, I think, you know, your dad might have been the footballer Diego Maradona. So she launched a, a kind of a case to find out if this was the case or not. Mm. Now, if you, you can go online, you can have a look at Magali Gill and it's a bit like the, um, the, the bit, what was the name of the bishop who had the son in the United States? Uh, here in Ireland, Bishop Casey, yes, and everybody yeah. looked at the photo of the son, and they went, "Oh yeah, you yeah, might be." Yeah. It's a bit like that. She right. looks extremely like him. <laughs> All right, I went a long way around. Yeah, that, I thought anyway. you were going to say she looks like Bishop Casey. That would have been a total plot twist. <laughs> that would have been some party. All right, but anyway, uh, no, she looks very like Maradona. It has to be said. So the the judge has basically said that um, look, we need to preserve the body because we want to be able to get take a DNA test, mm. and uh, you know matches to to the to the woman involved. So um, though though presumably in this case this is just to, so the woman will know rather than she's any it, might she potentially have some claim on his estate. So Maradona has two legitimate children uh, that he had in his marriage, and then when he got divorced, he he admitted to having six others. And there's a currently oh, an argument going on between the those children for you know to carve up his estate. Mm. I assume she could get into the mix as well if uh, if it proves uh, to be the case that he is indeed the father. I wonder, is there much of an estate? I'd say it's considerable enough, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I, you know. Not all of it went up his nose. A good uh, bit of it did, but not all yeah. of it. <laughs> just wouldn't strike you as kind of prudent somehow or another but uh, <laughs> maybe enough. he was uh, right Venezuela we're going to go to now and uh, Maduro has uh, the legislature in uh, in Venezuela is gone yes so this is a legislature uh, it's kind of a makey-uppy legislature that he put together in 2017 right he he, he 
he's quite clever in some ways, right? It, it, when the National Assembly elections, the real National Assembly elections took place a number of years ago and the opposition won the majority, it kind of blocked everything that Maduro wanted to do, right? So what Maduro said was, OK, I'll bring in reforms and the way we'll do this reform is we'll set up a national uh, constituent assembly and we'll review the constitution, mm. right? The opposition said, we're not getting involved in that election. And of course they didn't. And he said, well, I'll fill it with all my candidates. So sure enough, this national constituent assembly was set up as a, you know, as a, in tandem with the other national assembly but gradually took over from it, okay? It basically took away all of the powers of the original National Assembly. Uh, it, it, it withdrew, um, uh, 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 what's the word, political... Um, oh, the word I'm looking for, where you can't be prosecuted for right, yeah, political yeah, yeah. office. Sorry, yeah. Im- immunity, yeah. my immunity, apologies. Yes. Political immunity and all sorts of different things. It brought in different laws, including hate laws that have been subsequently used against many of Maduro's opposition in Venezuela, all right? He has now said that he is going to wind it down. And the reason he's winding it down is because, of course, they had very successful elections in the real National Assembly, which saw Maduro and his party get the uh, majority in the House. So he doesn't need this constituent assembly anymore. Now, it never made any reforms in the Constitution, which was its brief. It just basically came along and ran in tandem with the other one and effectively overtook it in the end. Okay, and the 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 uh, this constituent assembly, they're not, the members of it, they're not unhappy about having it wound down? Or, or That's they're... a good question, actually. Oh. Uh, I don't think they're going to say too much about it, uh, effectively, because it, it means that overall, Maduro and his party have somehow managed to hold on to power. Uh, and it has done the trick as far as they are concerned. So I think they'll be happy enough to go along with it. That said, there are over 500 of them there. Um, so they might have a stake in uh, in national politics or more of a stake than they would have had back in 2017. So it's a very good point. Right. And in the proper assembly, does he does his party now have a big majority? I'm not sure if it's big, actually. That's a good question. I have to say, I know that they won the elections. I'm not sure that the opposition were able to run to the to their full capacity in those elections. So mm. I think that he has managed to get rid of the opposition to a very large extent, more than we would have thought he might have yeah. when we were looking at this story maybe 18 months ago, two years ago, when it, when it looked like things were turning against him in a big way. Um, so he's, he's, he's some operator. He uh, really is, yeah, isn't he? he yeah, really th- is, I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of... He, and I know, don't mean he, that in a good way. Yeah, it's, you know? well, it's evil genius stuff, yeah, but yeah. it's still genius yeah. uh, uh, nonetheless. Right, uh, the uh, Zambia we're going to go to uh, next, and uh, the uh, the electoral commission there has uh, they, have they widened the scope of who can vote? They have. So it's a very simple story. Uh, basically, Zambia's electoral commission have uh, been holding ve- uh, voter registration drives in prisons, right? And they want to try and get the over sixteen thousand inmates across the country uh, to register to vote ahead of elections in August twenty. 2021, right? So far, they've done 11,000 of them. They've got 11,000 inmates registered. And really, when I was looking into this story to try and dig a little bit deeper, because you're always looking for ulterior motives, obviously, you know, (laughs) who's putting the drive there? You know, is it the president? He's looking to get, you know, votes from inmates. I couldn't really find anything other than it's part of a prison reform package and that they're trying to get people uh, involved in politics more. And somebody who's... um, 
who was, uh, you know, driving this particular reform forward, basically pointed out that the inmates are often more informed than others because they had more time to read and watch TV. Well, that's um, true. So yeah. uh, I don't know if that was uh, 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 but, uh, valid, uh, but... Uh, uh, but the fact they're doing this, it wasn't a, 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 a court case a few years ago to give was, them the Yeah, you're yeah. right. This was in 2016. Somebody brought a, a constitutional case which basically said, OK, there's a law there to stop prisoners voting. But it's actually completely and utterly against the Constitution. Uh, so uh, they won that case. So it's an interesting one. Right. Are, are okay. prisoners allowed to vote here, do you know? Uh, you know, I don't know. Hmm. I think they are. Uh, um, but Someone no doubt. Someone tell us in the next Right now, minutes. somebody has their phone on saying, oh, blah, 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 blah. you should have known that. Right. Uh, C- uh, Central African Republic uh, is accusing their ex-president of a coup. This could be anywhere, uh, really. This happens so often. Yeah, it, it happens a lot in the Central African Republic, unfortunately, though. This is uh, Francois Bozizet, um, who we've mentioned on the show before. And, and the reason is because he's been around in politics in the Central African Republic for a long time. He was president from 2003 up until 2013 and uh, then he, and he took power in a military coup um, and then he was ousted because of a military coup. And uh, after that, there was a civil war in the country and unfortunately it began to split down ethnic lines, right? There's mm. a majority Christian there, there's minority uh, Muslims. And it's kind of been back and forth ever since. There was a peace deal done in 2015. He tried to run for elections in that year, but he wasn't allowed. And he has asked now, he's back from exile since December of last year, so he's in the country. And he tried to run for elections again, or to become a candidate at least, uh, for elections that are coming up on December the 27th. But that was rejected by the Constitutional Court. And they basically said, because there's an international arrest warrant out uh, for him. So he seemed to accept that. Um, but now the government have seen that three rebel groups, around about the time that his application was rejected, formed an alliance together. And they're pointing at Bozy's and they're basically saying, you know, we think that this is uh, this involves you and that you're behind this. Now, as he said, not at all. I've nothing to do with these, you know, this new alliance, nothing to do with me at all. But I think a lot of people um, don't really find that credible. Right. OK. But is this new uh, alliance an active tre- a threat? It uh, is. I mean, they yeah. are already active. I mean, they control a lot of the country outside of the capital anyway, as it is. Um, okay. So things are fairly tense there. Now, the government has said that the elections are going to go ahead on December the 27th. The UN have said you might want to think about that again, but the, the, the government are, are determined to go ahead and they say, you know, it'll be it'll be all right on the night, but it remains to be seen. Uh, prisoners here do have the right to vote. Great. Uh, you can, well, a postal vote, because obviously you're in yeah. prison, but uh, you, you have a right to be registered in the constituency that you used to live and you can uh, get, to, if you're entitled to temporary release, you can just go and vote like... Uh, any other person. Right, the Marshall Islands uh, we're going to go to uh, finally and uh, they've destroyed a record cocaine haul. Do they see a lot of cocaine in the Marshall Islands? They, they do actually and most of it is washed up. Uh, hmm. Over the last two decades they've they've seen quite a lot and in some instances people have taken the bags and tried to sell it. Uh, in this instance I don't think they were going to get away with it because it was 635 kilograms of the stuff which is quite That's a significant. Big bag. Yes, <laughs> a big bag of cocaine alright. And uh, it, it was found by fishermen basically 
basically who did the right thing. They went to the authorities and said, we found a, a, a massive lump of cocaine. Um, but they don't really know where it's come from and they don't know where any of it comes from, to be honest with you. Uh, this They think that these are basically things that, you know, um, operations that go wrong or people in some instances who are on the verge of getting caught and they throw the stuff overboard. Mm. In this case, it was a boat, so they really don't know where it's come from because there was nobody on board. Um, ah. But it came probably from South America, yeah. drifted all the way to the Marshall Islands and ended up there. And uh, that's where it is. But they're going to destroy 633 kilos of it. They're keeping two bags and sending it to the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency in the USA, to find out where it came from. That's, uh, that's what they say. Anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, anyway, how do they destroy it? I'd, I assume they're going to burn it. Yeah, uh, I well, that's if what they, they do, do uh, and we played a clip already, uh, if you're standing too close to that, not a good idea. Oh, really? I know, we played a clip of a guy at the start of the show doing a report on exactly oh, I, that. Well, I was busy studying. And, um, of course things, you were. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he, he got about four words out and then started laughing man- <laughs> maniacally. Uh, right, so what should we look out for? Any big events happening over the next well, week? Well, on the 24th, uh, there's uh, Santa Claus has been confirmed that he is coming to uh, Ireland and that's all Thank good. God for and, that. Yeah. Uh, even though there's level five or three plus plus or whatever it is, he will be coming. So that's fine. Uh, there's elections in the Central African Republic and Niger on the 20th. 27th, as I've said already, and on uh, the 25th, the big day, Shane McGowan's birthday, and uh, that's about it. Jonathan, thanks, thanks a million for coming into us. Happy Christmas to you, and thanks for uh, all your work during the year. Uh, Jonathan DeBurka Butler there. Moncrief on News Talk.